Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share with you something from their pasts. Like in a report I wrote at university about my observations of the people in Weatherspoons. An unwritten rule I observed was the use of coats and belongings to stop people from taking a table, whilst the owners of the table were either at the bar or the toilet. People tend not to even look twice at these tables, as they know that they cannot sit at them, and that it is unlikely for the table to become free at any point soon, as it is likely the owners of the coats or belongings are ordering at the bar that was used for university i paid three grand a year to do that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my name's daryl smith and uh joining me today is comedian lulu popperwell hello hi lulu uh, Lily, what have you brought with yourself? Um, I, I mean, nothing as special as that, but I've got uh, a CD that I produced when I was 15, when I was doing kind of singer-songwriter stuff. Uh, it's very embarrassing. I've titled it, Essentially, I Am Batman, because uh, I think I thought that was funny. That is an amazing title. What, what year was this recorded in? Um, so I was 15, so it would have been 2006. I'm thinking of the styles of music that was around at the time. Looking forward to hear how influenced you are oh, by them. There's a there's a big chunk of Kate Nash in there and Lily Allen. So ah, amazing, that's, right? That's so happening. so we're going to listen to one of the songs. Um, we're going to listen to the seventh track. Yeah, I think the seventh one is I because that's the one I remember most clearly. I mean, I haven't I haven't actually gone back and listened to all these since finding the CD uh, for fear of killing myself. But I have. Uh, I think the number seven was actually quite sweet. I think I wrote it about the first boy I ever really fancied, and it's like it's really cringe, but it's quite sweet as far as I remember. Well, all right, might be awful. Let's see. <laughs> What were you calling yourself? I was calling myself Lulu Popperwell because that's the name I was given. But uh, I should also, a quick disclaimer, it's, I can't sing. That's <laughs> quite important. Uh, okay, this is Lucky Seven. Oh, I should also mention I can't play the guitar self-indulgent intro (laughs) (laughs) it's eating up most of the song thank god (laughs) oh it makes my skin hurt Rolled a lucky seven when you found me. 
And I think that is important to to say. <laughs> I think you're shooting yourself down a bit. I didn't think that the singing was that bad. I think it's. I think it's that I'm. I'm quite flat for a lot of it, but also I'm kind of switching between being quite American and then doing that really annoying thing that you still hear lots of like young singer songwriters do, where they, they have this kind of affected, uh, sort of half Cockney, half Irish. Like vowel sound, yeah. And like so, <laughs> so, um, so that's a shame. But genuinely, I picked that first because I think it's the least awful. So I'm sort of <laughs> working backwards to what I'm prepared to hear. But, um, yeah, I think that one. I was mostly I was quite influenced by like Laura Marling and stuff, but obviously, as you can hear, I can only play three chords on the guitar. Yeah. So I'm I'm really trying to emulate that with a limited skill set. Um, and uh, how d- how did you record it? Garage band, mate, all the way. Garage band um, in my room. I remember my mum would sometimes burst in when I was mid song, and I'd be doing this like really sweet, soulful stuff, and then like, oh mum, fuck's sake, fuck off, you're ruining everything like, in the <laughs> middle of it. Um, but yeah, just one of my laptop. Were you ever in a band? No, I wasn't. I really, really wanted to be in a band. Like I was. Uh, my era had like Bombay Bicycle Club and. Cajun dance party did they I don't know if they ever became a thing but like quite a lot of good teenage bands around my age but I uh wasn't really proficient enough at any one thing and also I have this thing where uh when I'm singing if someone else sings like a different note like if they're harmonizing or something I just copy them or I just I lose what I'm doing so um yeah I really wanted to be in a band but I I uh I never, never quite made it. We did once, actually. That's a lie. Once we went busking for me and three mates, uh, just doing covers, uh, and we called ourselves Grubby Tuppence, I think. Grubby Tuppence. Grubby Tuppence. And we all wore a different hat. That was, <laughs> that was what made us cool. Uh, and we made £40. So at the time, how did you feel about that album? I mean, I, I gigged in pubs, so I must have thought, I'm smashing this. Like... I I think these were all very early songs. When I like a year later, when I was sixteen, I created some more songs. Also, like just as bad, but in my head, I categorised them as being a bit better. I did a handful of like uh, not quite open mics, but you know that kind of level of gig. And actually, the first the first place I ever um, gigged with a guitar was the first place I ever gigged as a stand up as well. So it's really nice. yeah, and I didn't realise till I got there. Um, Because obviously it was like a decade later and I got to the venue and I was like, oh my God, this is so familiar. So I thought it was quite like nice poetry to that. Um, Didn't, uh, died on my ass for that one. (laughs) Nice symmetry too. How were you feeling whilst you were hearing that? I was feeling, well, like obviously primarily embarrassed because it's so earnest. But on the other hand, like quite jealous because I think 
I didn't care or I was I was lacking a self-awareness. I mean, I, I enjoy being self-aware now to a certain extent, but like it, it does stop you creating stuff. Like I, I obviously was like, yeah, I'll just do that. That'll be fine. People think that's okay. I used to write like a song a night if I felt like it and they were all terrible. But I was like, yeah, I'll do, I'll do, put it on the pile. So yeah, a bit jealous. The song itself. So you said it was about a boy? Yeah, it was about... Um, well, I think it was about an amalgamation of boys because at that age I was I was sort of faux, like in love, in quotes, with everyone around me. <laughs> like every boy I met because I went to an all-girls school and when I met boys, suddenly I was like, oh, they're all going to be my life partners. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was sort of about my first boyfriend who I went out with for three weeks. Um, I think it was about him. And is this song about him after you had broken up? I think so. I mean, the timeline's all a bit mushy in my head, but I think it was for lack of anyone else to sing a romantic song about. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're em- you're emulating, like, the songs you hear, and they're all about love. So I think I wanted to feel, like, desperately in love with someone or really lucky to have found someone, and he was the closest... He was the only boy I'd ever dated, so I was like, yeah, you'll do it. It'll be about you. So I can't, in, like, good faith, say... Like, he fully inspired it. So you said that you, rele- you released an album. Released. I mean, there was another album, so there... it was... Yeah, there was another CD made, mate, so... <laughs> um, and did you keep making them after the second one? No, that was when it was time for that to stop. That was when I think I suddenly became self-conscious and self-aware. I mean, not that I wasn't self-conscious as a teenager, everyone is, but, like, I suddenly was like, oh, these aren't good enough, and that's really embarrassing. Um, I think I was around age 17. Or 18, maybe, which is too late. That's, that's embarrassingly late. So did you just suddenly quit? I petered out doing it in, like, the last year of school. And then, because I only really ever did gigs when they were offered to me. I didn't seek them out. I just happened to have a bunch of friends who were musical. And then I went to uni, and I remember I did maybe three student bar gigs where they were looking for someone to fill the space. And I performed horribly. And also the other thing is I got throat nodules. You can hear my voice is really... Rusty, so I can't sing like a note now. My voice is shot to fuck. Um, so that kind of stopped it as well, I guess. So, so the, the throat nodules, you got those at that age? Yeah, they, they progressively happened, but like because uh, of smoking, because uh, of like various things, I uh, I say various things, I mean an eating disorder. Um, uh, I got throat nodules and I I went to see a doctor about it because it got to the point like I, I, no sound was coming out of my mouth. And he was like, I mean, they're not the worst I've ever seen, but on a scale of 0 to 10, they're an 8. So it's not good. Um, so yeah, I, that's just stopped me. Just stopped me singing. Do you miss it? I do miss it. But to be honest, I still sing very loudly and badly to my boyfriend in the flat all the time. Like, I will do a Disney song performance for him every evening. He doesn't enjoy it, but I know he does, sort of, because he has to. So yeah. I I I can I still sing enough in private that you know. Do you ever write? Um, I mean, again, I think it comes down to this being self-conscious thing because I do every now and then I try and sit down and write a song, and I get about a line in, and then I'm like, "This is stupid. I'm not doing it." It's the same thing that makes me a bad comedy writer because I I am unwilling to let ideas just flow out and see what happens. Like I get so pedantic just with myself like before anyone else has seen it um doesn't mean that the output is great at the end but it uh yeah so I, I i i can't now i just give up too quickly i do write songs on the piano for fun but 
yeah, not not guitar singing stuff. How old were you when you did your first gig? And can you remember that gig? Yes, I can. I remember it. I remember I went. Uh, so there was a boy who lived at the end of the road and his band were also playing. And I, at that point, was uh, desperately in love with that boy. Um, and uh, I remember I was walking down the road to the gig and I bumped into him on his way there and he said, oh my God, you look like so sick with worry. And I was like, yes, I am. And he was <laughs> like, well, you should be. And I didn't get that he was just teasing me. Uh, so I got there and there were about seven people watching me, four of whom were my mates from school. And people were talking over me and then the sound technician had to come down and be like, oh, can you shut up? She's trying her hardest. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which was really sweet of him because I wasn't going to do it. But it was fine. Yeah. What compels you to keep a hold of this? Um, frankly, I didn't know I had it. So I've recently moved from my parents' house into a flat and I've found a, like a treasure trove but like if a treasure trove was filled with rat poison, like it's just so like so many horrible things from my youth. And I now, I mean, like I would have chucked them when I was younger, but now I found them. I can't really bring myself to because it's, there's something sort of, I don't know. It's like you want to keep it. You don't want to look at it, but you want to know it's there just in case at some point you decide to bring it on a podcast and then <laughs> let everyone else hear it. Um, I don't know. I, I know the exact same thing. I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff at home, which mm. I don't know if this podcast is like, I've finally worked out a use yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. But I just, you feel like you'd be, uh, maybe, I don't know, this insulting is... your younger self. Yeah, I I think you're right. And I think there's this kind of like just in case bug that, that worms, your way into, and worms its way into your mind. And um, I... I mean, like, I mean, you've seen the stand-up I'm doing lately. I, I was going to chuck my teenage diaries, and now I'm using them because there is that sense of, like, I might as well use them if I've kept them for this long. Like, uh, and I'm glad I did. And, yeah, it would would have been, it would have been insulting because I cringe and I can't bear the person singing. But there's another part of me that's like, oh, bless, she was really trying. Like, she was really keen. Do you feel like you're the same person? No, I don't I mean I do I mean god there's a part of me that's very very eager and earnest about everything but um no I don't think I am I think I um god what a big question what do you mean (laughs) well just can you see yourself now Mm -hmm. in yourself 10 years ago um small elements like in that I'm still I can get a bit angsty, not to the same extent. I'm uh still don't like authority at all. Like I hated any authority. Um but I think like the thing with me is I was I was like a 16 year old. I kind of stayed that age mentally until about two years ago and then I kind of changed my life quite a lot and then Suddenly I am a 26-year-old, so I kind of went from 16 to 26 with nothing in between, I think. And I do feel a really severe cut-off in terms of life attitudes uh, and just, like, how I approach things from from that person. But I don't know. I mean, other people might... Like, my boyfriend thinks I'm very stroppy, so... I mean, and I was very stroppy then, so I think, like, everyone retains bits of their teenage self. But it does... It feels, like, distant. How would you feel about us listening to another song? Um... Like queasy, but I have the feeling it's going to happen 
We've listened to the one which you're most comfortable with listening to. Yeah. And I feel like we would be doing you your disservice if we didn't listen to the one which you're most worried about people hearing. Okay, it's called Sunday Bread. And it's, um, I'm playing piano in it. Um, and there's a lot of garage band uh, beats that are off time. And uh, I'm referencing some 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 bands of the era, like um, I think I mentioned Amy Winehouse in there, and like the Libertines, and uh, it's yeah, it's very Kate Nash inspired. Um, I feel so unwell talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was like the second song I ever wrote, so. It would have been like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, we can we can listen to Sunday Bread. It's number five. Are you sure you're? Ha- I'm okay with it. Let's look. You know what? Let's uh, let's. It's happening. It's fine. We don't need to listen to all of it. Thank fuck. Give me the signal when it's it's too much. <laughs> when I'm gonna burst into flames. like i need to say to you before you burst into flames yeah um that i thought the lyrics were really clever thanks mate i know exactly where i was that year when you must have written it yeah but just because of like sheila umbrella like lads or whatever um i mean there's there are religious overtones in it as well if you listen carefully the the lyric i like in that is I'm either far too overwhelming or I'm far too shy because I think that was how I genuinely felt and still feel at the time. I, I either go in super hard with stuff or like get social anxiety and don't know how to talk to anyone ever. So I like that lyric. I forgot that was in there. But otherwise, what are you talking about? <laughs> was this song about anything in particular? No, I think it was me trying to emulate a style. I've used the word emulate a hell of a lot today. Um... <laughs> I I think I really liked Lily Allen. I think I I didn't even like Kate Nash. I just heard her and I was like, I could do that. Um, and yeah, and I liked the idea of showing off to people that I had a taste in music. So I'd reference Jamie T. Uh, I'd love to tell you there was some deep meaningful story behind that, but there is not. That's your sec the second song or the first song that you wrote. I think it was like the yeah, it was. I wrote a, the first time I started writing. I wrote a batch of songs in a week. I was sort of, I wrote sort of seven or eight songs, um, sort of within two weeks of ever picking up a guitar for the first time, and then yeah, I think so. That would have been sort of one of the first three or something. But 
the thing is, is that because you say that's it's about nothing. Yeah. Do you know, like yeah. I think that's very much. Uh, whenever you start doing anything new, that's creative, like say stand up or anything like that. At first, you're just having a go at it and don't really know yeah. what is your style, uh, what you actually like. You're just you're trying you're just yeah. trying to emulate. Yeah, I, I think I'm to some extent still doing that because I'm only a year in and, and I still don't know like what my like voice is. Quite quite like I just yeah. I remember I, I remember going to stand and being like, well, pull back and reveals are a thing, so I'll just do loads and loads of those because people will find that funny and. Again, like with the music, it's like, well, people like this sound. People seem to like Kate Nash, so I'll do that. It wasn't because I particularly liked it. It's the same thing with stand-up, and that's, I think that's dangerous. I still do it, but when you try and write what you think other people will enjoy rather than what you enjoy, um, no one lands on their feet in that sense. Like, you have to drive through all this, like, weird, confusing muck. Like, I... I talking about both music and stand-up, like, with music, I did some really weird stuff... Um, I tried to sort of like harmonise with myself again because I couldn't sing with other people. And the same thing with stand-up. It's like I I sort of tried to do a character the other week because I've never done character comedy. And I sucked at it. And I'm not going to do that because I didn't enjoy it. They didn't enjoy it. But I think I, it was important for me to try it because, like, who knows? Like, it could have been like, oh, my God, this this is the thing. This clicks. So, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, is that now you know that that isn't you. Yeah. Before you try it. You don't know. Yeah, it's an unknown quantity then. So Going back to the CD itself. Yes. Did you ever make more than one copy? No, so that's why I was really... I don't even remember making this. So that's why I was really surprised to find it. Um, I did when I made the next one. I made more than one copy and I hand wrote out all the track listings and gave it to everyone. I gave one to my English teacher, which is an insane thing to have done. Um and then he awkwardly the next day was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but his eyes said otherwise. Um, and that was called the first LP, um, which is very clever because those are my initials. Um, but uh, it didn't help the quality of the music. Uh, and this one, I think I must have made as a one-off, kept it myself. And I've gone to quite... I wouldn't say extreme lengths, but I've gone to some lengths to make the front of it look nice. Um, I've printed out a photo booth picture of myself. <laughs> I think I must have shown it to a friend because I've written what I obviously thought was a very funny thing on the front, which was a like a quote saying, critics are calling it by far the most confusing album of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> lol. Uh, I think essentially I'm Batman was a joke I had with someone on the school run. Because I, I was saying, she was talking about the Batman film and I was like, well, I'm really rich and I care about people, so essentially I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was very funny to us at the time. Uh, so I think I think it was purely, it was all for my, my neighbour, Louise, who I shared the school run with, who I'm still very good friends with. But my friend the other day, when I showed him this, I, I said I was coming on here to talk about it, he very sweetly said, oh, well, this shows that you were actually... A comedian trying to be a musician like you were trying to be funny while you were doing music but you didn't understand the right outlet for it which is very pretentious but he, you know, his words not mine so it's fine <laughs> um yeah I don't I, I think I, I think I had too much time on my hands is what this cover shows now that you've shared it and that you, I mean this is the first time that you've listened to it mm -hmm. how do you feel about it oh god um 
ashamed, like really ashamed, but also like it's funny. It's funny. And also I feel like lots of people must have at some point recorded a song or two. Like anyone who's picked up a guitar in their teens was like, well, I could be Nirvana. So I don't know. I think, um, yeah, there's a kind of catharsis in getting it out there because at some point, hopefully, someone will say to me, hey, I did that too. And it's just, with the diary stuff, immediately, the, the stand-up I do around my teenage diaries, immediately, the first time I tried it, I got three people coming up to me after the gig saying, oh my God, I have things like that. And so it, you do get this immediate sense of like, oh, okay, it's shared, so it's diluted and yeah. it's the, fine. The, the, the very first time that I saw you do stand-up, I was like, I didn't know that you were going to do the diary stuff. I was like, right, okay, I need to get Lulu on because <laughs> Lulu is clearly keeping loads of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm going through a real phase of rolling around in my like teenage mess, so it's fun. I like it. Are you happy that you shared that with me? I mean, you didn't make me do it, but for some reason I feel angry at you. <laughs> no, really? No, I don't know, because I, I genuinely thought we were just going to talk about it, like, theoretically, and I wasn't going to play it. Um, Yeah, I don't know if happy's the word. I don't know how I'm feeling, Daryl. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's just, I think it's one of those things that, like, later, like, like I'll walk away from an hour later, I'll be like, oh, okay, that's someone else's now, like... Like, I've shared it, it's off my chest, and it's embarrassing, but it's, yeah, it's done. It's fine to be angry with me. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not at all. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you haven't just brought a CD. You've actually brought something else yeah i have and this uh, this is less painful so i think we've got the, the really hard bit out of the way so in year 11 in my school we had um a comedy newsletter called the brown army which sounds is an awful name for a letter but it's because we our school uniform was brown so that was that was the clever rationale behind the title um and i was one of four uh, editors on it so we wrote most of it and we got submissions but they're mostly in jokes so this is the valentine's day one uh, and this is an article I wrote called How to Lure a Guy in Ten Ways. Very clever. Um, do you find yourself in trouser wetting fear of the cold, lonely and manless, or ladyless, if you are so inclined, night of the 14th? Well, just... 
don't. Here's some advice that you should rather take to heart as I t- tell, nay, command you to lure a guy into your arms and kitchens in the following manner and order. One, men like cars. Buy them one. If you are too common, crossed out, poor, to afford this, steal one or buy them a postcard of a car. <laughs> the latter is usually preferable, although somewhat less thrilling. Two, take your top off. Three, rub yourself in leaves of an old summer's hedge on the third phase of the moon. Four, go to a wedding, distract the bride with money or flame, and then steal the groom while he is confused. Five, steal his phone slash house keys slash clothes at a party so that he has reason enough to call you again. Six, order... Jesus Christ. Six, order a pizza to be delivered to his house and spell out, I'm so lonely, perhaps we should be an item. Let me know how you feel. I love you dearly and would die for you on it with pepperoni. <laughs> Brackets, mm, pepperoni. Seven, compose a song for him. Oh, done it, mate. Uh, compose a song for him and follow him about with a lute so he can hear it all the time. Eight, tell everyone you're going out and that he also has a lying problem so he can't deny it. Soon enough, that he, can, soon enough he will accept that he cannot win and agree to the relationship or kill himself. Nine, watch a romantic film with him, and when the credits come up, tell him that if he leaves you, you will kill not only yourself, but all his pets and uncles. Ten, all of this failing, brackets, unlikely, uh, drug your friend and affix a false moustache to their face. Perhaps you now see why I am alone. So that was the level of uh, comedy bants. Um, where's the comedy, though? That's the question. Do you know what? There's some really funny ideas. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. That's what you go- That's what you say to someone after an open mic when they've bombed. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, it's got legs. <laughs> you can see, like, that you're you're testing out comedy. Yeah. And that some of it is genuinely funny. Yeah. I remember finding these a year after I left school. So I was at uni and being like, oh, these are still really funny. And I read it today when I found it and I was like, no, they're not. And I remember this one, reading this one article, which I might find you really quickly, because I, it's just funny how like, even, so when you're, when you're 18 or 19, however old I was when I found it, you think you're an adult then and you think like, yeah, this still holds up as an adult. This is great. Mm. And I wasn't an adult like now. Or my, I don't know. It's just been a long time and my tastes have matured and changed and I'm less, uh, kind of arrogant about my the things I produce myself. Uh, so this is called Pigeonholes, and I'll just start a bit. One of the many advantages of Year 11, I have found, is the eye-twitchingly exciting introduction of Pigeonholes. These are not, as I was led to believe, a place where I could bring in my pigeon and store him during the day. <laughs> this exasperated me somewhat, as hiring a nanny for him is getting irksome, and good help is so hard to find these days. Then there's a lot of in-jokes, and then it says... It's a bit of a pester coming in at weekends to post messages and pick them up, but I find that it's the best time for socialising in my whole week. If you would like to see my pigeon, leave me a note. In my pigeonhole. His name is Lawrence. (laughs) Some of that, I think, um, is... No, it's it's awful. It's still awful. um, When I was 19, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go be in the footlights because this shit is great. Um... Which was a shame. So what school was this? Um, I was at uh, North London Collegiate School, which was an all-girls school in... uh, well, it, it technically in London, but it was like Zone 5, far, far out. And how long were you uh, writing for this? Just for the year, so only Year 11 could do it. And um, you had to audition for it with a piece for the year, the year above to take over from them. And the year above me was so funny. They were like super cool, super funny people. Um, uh, one, of, one of the people who ran this before was a comedian called Sophie Juker. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's now doing the Peasants Reserve this year. And I remember like shitting myself having to hand in my kind of audition piece 
And then when I got it, I was like, oh, yeah, my God, I'm one of the cool people. I'm one of the cool, funny people. Obviously, it meant nothing. Nothing ever came of it. <laughs> like, at the time, it was I was like, the year above like me. So do you remember people enjoying it? Yeah. People would be like, it's Brown Army out today. It's Brown Army out today. It was kind of the equivalent now of if your mate does a podcast or something and you're like, it's a podcast out today. Yeah, people loved it. And it, people, I mean, the stuff that went down really well was like the in-jokes with like stuff about teachers. We had um, a lot of stuff didn't get through. We had a like our head of head of year had to veto everything. Um, so some of my articles were deemed too risque. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which. There was one about like because basically our school was on like a massive fundraising drive for this performing arts centre it had built, and it was just constantly asking people for money. And I think I wrote a, a sort of fake news piece about how it was actually uh, like all an embezzlement thing for our headmistress's drug problem or something <laughs> and he was like no you can't you can't do that um yeah, fair enough it's very libelous <laughs> yeah um and we had the same because we did a, we also did a sixth form like comedy review um which was called canon's follies because our school was on canon's drive uh and i was on the writing team for that um Again, with two other girls who who I went to uni with, and we were both like, we're going to be in the footlights because of this. And uh, it it I found that when I found all of this, and I made uh, my boyfriend watch all of it. It's an hour and a half, uh, and he watched <laughs> he watched it all. And I remember a lot of that. I had my songs and sketches cut because they were too like they were they were digging too deep. They didn't want people revealing the truth. That right? that's, <laughs> that's what it was. But I think I really confused George with that because I was. You know when you're just so tired and um, just like a bit emotional. So I, I showed him the DVD, and he just sat through it for an hour and a half, being like, oh, "This isn't. This is great. I don't care." And then it finished, and I was so tired that I just felt really emotional, and I missed all my school friends, and I just burst into tears. And he just looked at me like, "What are you? What is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was. I really liked seeing that. that. Made me genuinely happy. Some of those. Some of those jokes do hold up. So the people who you did that show with, uh, a lot of them are the people who you were writing with yeah, as well. Yeah, so it was, I mean, we didn't write the whole show, obviously, but like they, we, we were the writing team. Um, and it, me and two other girls that did Brown Army did it. And then the, there was a fourth girl who did Brown Army, but she moved for sixth form. She was a traitor, so <laughs> she didn't write with us anymore, which is a shame because I think she was by far the funniest of the four of us. <laughs> Do you all speak still? Um, I see them around, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they all, we all went to Cambridge, which is quite weird. I think we all went to Cambridge wanting to do comedy and none of us did. So, yeah, they're about. I believe they're still alive. Yes, is the answer. Did you carry on working together at uni? Um, No, I think... So I started a year before them. They both took gap years. And I did a little bit of writing. I did a couple of Footlights auditions on my own uh, with stuff I'd written. Uh, it was nice, got callbacks. It was great. Then they arrived... And we tried writing stuff together, but I think we all just had very different schedules at that point and wanted to do different things. And I also worked out that I don't write that well in groups. It's kind of like the music thing. Um, I prefer writing on my own because I don't really... It goes both ways, but I I don't really like telling people that I don't think their ideas are funny. Sometimes you've got to do it. I think you've got to be really close to someone and have a really good mm. working relationship to be able to do that. With those girls... I not that they weren't funny, they were very funny, but I don't know if I felt comfortable saying that's not great. So I was a big yes man. Um similarly, I didn't I then resented if they told me that something wasn't funny because 
not just those girls, anyone I've tried to write with, really, because I'm like, well, I didn't tell you when you weren't funny. And, like, that's my fault. It should be reciprocal. But uh, I just stopped writing with them. And, and then I just stopped writing full stop until I, until I started doing comedy again a year ago. So how do you feel about these n- new zines, we call them? <laughs> new zines. Um, infinitely less embarrassed than the CD because I'm bearing my little vulnerable heart and soul in that CD, whereas this is just being silly. And I like this because I think it's like the beginning of me being like, hey, being funny is cool. I mean, I'm not being funny in it, but I'm aware that being funny is cool. And um, yeah, and like I said, it reminds me of being like, yeah, I impressed the year above. So I win at everything now. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm a bit like, oh, that's that's embarrassing, but um, far less so. I really like the fact that you recorded the CD. Me and my friends at college, we would write music all the time and play together all the time, but none of it's on records. Did you have a band name? No, I don't think we did. Oh, man. That's the best thing, finding out what people's <laughs> embarrassing band names were. It was like an emo band. Amazing. It would have been... Influenced by... Enter Shikari, um, My Chemical Romance. Of course. All those... Gotta have it. <laughs> all those kind of guys. Sweet. But I feel quite sad that I, I've got some of the lyrics hidden somewhere, but I can't listen to any of it, so I don't know... I, I can't experience what you did today for... I, good or bad yeah it's I yeah I ultimately I'm very very pleased that I have it's sort of like a like a very ugly privilege I think in a way it's good that you were being creative yeah I think so too I think I knew that I wanted to make something and be on a stage but at that point I wasn't sure what it was so it was like a kind of fetal stage of everything thank you so much for sharing both of those uh, with me. Um, Lulu, if people um, enjoyed listening to your stories, and they'd like, I, I mean, I will say that you need to try and see Lulu live just so that you can hear extracts from her diary. Yes, it's awful. <laughs> They're like a snapshot of you then. Yeah. When you think back on what you were like, like you can think, oh, I, I think I was like this when I was 16. You look at this stuff and it's evidence. Yeah, yeah. And the diary, the diary stuff is all when I'm 13 and that's cold, hard evidence that I was awful. <laughs> like, really. Because I, at that point, I hadn't even sort of worked out how to leave the house. So, just festering in my own sort of pedantry. Um, so, Lou, you're, you're on Twitter? Uh, yes, I am. I am at Lulu underscore Popplewell. Uh, so, please follow me. Uh, and also, worth mentioning that I'm going up to Edinburgh this year. Uh, with two other lovely comedians uh, called Jeremy Flynn and Morgan Reese, The show is called Chumbags and it's on at Southsider every day at 5.45. So please come. And it's free. Thank you so much for joining me, Lulu. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, it's been really amazing. It's been painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. After, the, after recording the podcast, generally people are like either really pleased or generally quite angry with me <laughs> and I feel like you might be in the second well, category I'm both I'm both <laughs> um, so thank you for listening uh, this has been I'd Sooner Forget This and if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with your friends and make sure that you hit that subscribe button check out all the other episodes that um, are available to you and if you've got just a few seconds could you please give it a review on iTunes it would mean the world to me Another amazing guest next week. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Daryl Smith. Bye. (laughs) 